Penn State takes on Delaware this weekend uh, in their second game of the 2023 season. So we're going to be focusing a lot on Penn State this week. Uh, where you got Penn State practice to get to. We have some news and updates. And, of course, at the end of the show on Thursday, we love to get your thoughts. The BWI mailbag is open. We'll have some questions prepared. But also we want yours during the show. Drop your comments, the best questions, comments we're going to get to at the BWI mailbag. So start putting those in right now. I'll remind you later on the show if you're joining just a little bit late. Um, it is Thursday morning. We are on the back half of the week. So guys, how are you holding up, Nate? How are you doing uh, coming out of practice last night, a, a late night for us working? But of course, a lot of insight, a lot of interest from Penn State football. So how are you feeling this morning? I, I love the way that you frame it as though this is some taxing, like just Oh my goodness, the the weight of it all. I'm great. I'm great. I, I had a nice night of rest. My son did not wake me up overnight, which is the biggest victory of all. We're we're toddler sleep training. So, you know, this is as fresh as I've been, and that you will see me over the last three months. Fitz, how are you doing today? Uh, I mean, I, you can't get any better than when your kid sleeps through the night. So, but my kids do that pretty often. To, we're we're oh. to the point where we've gone too far, and now they're sleep, trying to sleep in. I'm great. It's hot, man. It is. I just got back from a walk, and I am flush. And Nate's making fun of my hair, and everything is just coming up great for me this morning. You've done an excellent job of cropping it out of the frame, though, with the way you're standing. Yeah. So that's perfect. Like it's just you extend through the frame. And, you know, as as everyone has pointed out, Fitz is very tall and he's very tall in the frame today. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But let's get to our first news and notes today. And of course, Penn State football was in the news for a reason they don't want to be yesterday afternoon. Nate, can you provide us the details on Abdul Carter and the situation that arose yesterday? Yeah, I will. Uh, I will try to be succinct here because I think it is pretty succinct. Uh, August 8th. Uh, Abdul Carter was charged with misdemeanor marijuana possession because uh, the police were called to, I, I believe it was Nittany apartment. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that um, for a smoke alarm going off. And so once they got there, uh, he admitted, acknowledged having weed and that's it. And so, right. It, this was nearly a full month ago. This was uh, what, what would we say four or five days into preseason camp, um, you know, and uh, it happened. James Franklin was asked about it on uh, Wednesday night, and he basically said it was an internal matter that was being handled internally, uh, but something that while new to the news and new to the media that was assembled there was not something that was new to Penn State football. And so if we're, right reading into this and reading between the lines a little bit, any penance uh, that would have been demanded has been paid, right? It's not, it's not as though because a news report came out that we should now expect to, uh, to, to not see Abdul Carter in the first half or anything of that nature. Um, it, it, it sounds like uh, something that is fairly well wrapped up and resolved within the Penn state football program. Uh, and yeah, it seems like it's something that was kind of an open and close case. What once we found out about it, if it's anything to add, any additional insight you want to add there? Not particularly. Like I said, it, it, this is something they knew about from August eighth on. And uh, if he would have been suspended, I think it would have been for game one. 
uh, I think it'd be a bad look if they suspended him for Delaware, knowing that they <laughs> yeah. acknowledging that they already knew for knew him for that. But uh, maybe they'll suspend him for the second half. Who knows? Uh, today's show sponsor is My Perfect Franchise. Bet you were expecting Rogue Shop there. My Perfect Franchise is your place to go find the next stage of your life. Ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Maybe you're looking for a side hustle while working your current job. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're looking for your next big thing or you want to leave a legacy, diversify, build wealth, any of these opportunities My Perfect Franchise can help you with because they are giving you the opportunity to buy into valuable, productive franchises that can help you earn money. Check out My Perfect Franchise. Andy Ludicky is a franchise consultant with extensive experience placing people like you with a perfect franchise to manage. We've had tons of Blue White Illustrated message board members reach out to Andy. He is a message board lifer. He is some of the, if you are a part of our community, he has a lot in common with you. So not only are you going to get a great education from him, it's going to be very relatable. That's something he's very passionate about is relating to you and making sure you have the right information to make a great decision with what is a significant investment if you have the money to invest in these things and to grow that money he wants to help you out and he's up to date on all the trends in businesses and things like that including home services which are booming right now if you have the money to invest he's got an idea of what you should do with brick and mortar um i believe that there was a paint company here one of our blue white illustrated message board members i apologize i don't remember if they were local to state college or one of our many members from throughout the state and the country about to buy into a paint service. All of these things, they could help you uh, live your American dream, which is to determine your own future. So check out My Perfect Franchise. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help if you have any questions about business ownership. Another great reason to uh, join the message board and join bluewhiteillustrated.com is he's a message board member. You can uh, message him on our uh, site as well, but you can go to his website, Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net uh, to get started today. And if you're watching here on the, the YouTube channel, you can see his contact information. For those of you that can't peer through your phone on the podcast, it's 404-973-9901. That's 404-973-9901. Penn State practice yesterday. We were able to attend. We, as always, split offense and defense. Fitz, you were with the defense. Any uh, insights? And where do you want to start with what you saw from the Nittany Lions yesterday as they go from week one to week two? Of course, coming out of week one, you have the questions about the guys that weren't there uh, against West Virginia, Keziah Izzard, uh, Daquan Hardy, Amin Vanover. Saw two of those three out there yesterday. Saw actually saw Keziah Izzard in one of the promo videos that Penn State put out, so that's that's a good sign. But uh, Hardy and Vanover seem to be uh, banished to the scout team, um, and that's obviously I think you can read into kind of their status for what you're looking for in the next couple of uh, or the next week. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, that's where you start with that defensively. Not a ton beyond that. Um, we saw a lot of um, a lot of work for the younger guys, which I think you can expect. I hate the FCS games because you you don't want to say that they're going to pound them and then play the backups. But you kind of have to like you kind of have to focus on that. So you're looking at guys like King Mac getting out there. Mason Robinson was out there with the defensive ends and his number. You know, that's kind of how we differentiate between the. Um, the guys that you think might play and the, and the scout team guys, he was out there in, in his number 42. So that's interesting. Defensive end, a little thinner, of course, without a mean van over there. Um, so that's uh, that plays into it. But uh, yeah, I think uh, the focus going back to, uh, to, to what I said a little bit earlier was the guys that weren't there. And that's um, going to be, I mean, 
you're going to talk yourself into this. Do you need them for Delaware? Are they even available for Delaware? All this kind of stuff. But uh, the fact that they're there, there and running around Hardy himself in a white scout team jersey signifying he's playing receiver right now on the scout team, that's um, certainly something that, uh, that, that piques the interest. Is there anything to development from week one to week two? One of the questions on Tuesday was um, – kind of an old adage of you you make your most improvement from week one to week two did you see any extra emphasis on any particular thing that you came out of the game on uh monday looking for so it was funny i was i was thinking of that when we were watching the the tackling drills and the tackling drills were no different than they always are manny diaz was out there <laughs> you know running them through the, the bags and things like that and and it was it was funny because i mentioned it after the game the other day we're we're going to talk about the the lack of tackling and the, you know, the emphasis that you put on it, have to put on it during the week. It's not, that's not really the, the thing. It's not like really, you're not going to be better at wrapping someone up by doing a little bit of extra work in the second week of practice. You're going to, you know, be better by being in the right spots and, and doing all the little things and, and getting back into the flow of things. I mean, we talked to Devon Ellis last night and, you know, the, the difference between going to camp playing game one and then playing game two is massive. It, it, it's a situation where you find yourself feeling more comfortable and flowing back to it. And, and yes, the opponent will play into that. Delaware will play into that, but um, to come out of the gates, to play a power five team um, like West Virginia, who, you know, their strengths, I think help Penn state develop where they need to develop. And that's that, that defensive line, especially specifically the defensive tackle. Um, that that that's going to help you get get where you need to be a little bit faster. So obviously the the target is next week at Illinois. Um, that's a you know one of those tricky matchups. Penn State's better than Illinois, but that's one of those tricky matchups when you're talking about going on the road uh, early in the Big Ten season. Um, but uh, that's that's kind of where you find yourself after after week one. It, you don't overreact to things. Um, I don't overreact. I know Nate doesn't overreact. Uh, T Frank, you know, give or take. Um, yeah. But uh, you, you don't overreact to things in week one. You don't change the way that you do things. Um, like I said, extra tackling drills, quote unquote, is 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 not the is not going to fix what you saw on Saturday. You know, finding yourself in the right spot, doing the film prep to get you in the right spot. That's what's going to fix those those issues. Yeah, you got to have a little spice, got to got to have somebody that's willing to ask the question of overreaction anyway. Uh, Nate, offense, uh, what did you see yesterday and where were you hanging out? When I saw you, you were with the offensive line. Was there, is that yeah. where you were focusing your time? Uh, it was, and uh, I still managed to mess it up because I just wasn't really expecting what I saw, right, which was absences. Right. Uh, you, you go to practice and it, it's all it all kind of looks the same from week to week. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, while Olu Fashanu was at left tackle, left guard was different. Right. It um, it was Anthony Donko who was the, the top line uh, left guard. Well, what, during the portion that I saw, this is all right. Wrapped into that caveat of we get to see 10 minutes of practice. OK, yep. so uh did I see JB Nelson? I did not. Does that mean he wasn't at practice on the whole? I, I, I can't say, right? Uh, Hunter Norzad at center, which was certainly, you know, a, a sign of good news after some of the things that James Franklin said on Tuesday at his press conference about being, uh, you know, having some bumps and bruises early this season for Hunter Norzad and, you know, coming from a guy who dealt with that all last season probably raised a, a few antennas, right? It's, it's yeah. a, a little bit of a concern there. And then at right guard, uh, Vega uh, uh, Yuhani, right? Who 
is not who you were expecting or not who I was expecting. <laughs> you know, you think Sal Warmly. Fitz was on the other side of the field and later in the session saw when the offensive line came over to work with the defensive line, uh, saw Sal, right? So that's that's kind of a good sign there. But yeah, just just some different looks that make you wonder a little bit about availability this weekend. James Franklin later clarified in... Uh, well, I shouldn't say clarified because he wasn't speaking specifically about anyone, um, you know, on the offensive line or otherwise. But he did mention bumps, bruises and, quote, sickness. <laughs> right? There's there is a sickness going through uh, Penn State's campus. And judging by some of the feedback on our message board last night, it, it sounds like it's it's really running throughout the university. Right. I mean, you've got just a ton of people who are all converging and bringing uh, illness in whatever capacity that might be, uh, you know, into confined spaces. And, you know, now people are coming down with, with uh, some, some sniffles and coughing and otherwise. Right. So that's, that's a, a big concern for Penn state going into this weekend. If the opponent was different, right. I mean, it's, it's, if this is going to happen, this is probably the time for it to happen. Uh, any observations with the receivers, quarterbacks? You saw I, you saw a ton of Drew Aller highlights. And before you get to that, Nate, just want to make sure that everyone who's who's here, BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, if you're new to the show, that's where you get the full insights of these guys and what they saw last night at practice. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, you can sign up right now and get premium access for the entire 2023 season. And if you're here on the video, we're giving you the good stuff. It's not like we're, we're holding a, t- a ton back. We want to make sure that you are informed as well. So, like this video and subscribe to Blue White Illustrated here on YouTube because we are doing stuff. We've got a bunch of stuff coming for you this week. We've added a ton of new content for the 23 season. So make sure you subscribe, you get access and reminders to all of it. So, Nate, uh, with the offensive skill positions and, and with some of those guys, did you have any observations, any nuggets you wanted to share about maybe the running backs, receivers, anything like that? Yeah, I would say I would say two, right? The first one was Omari Evans, who was did not participate on Saturday in the game, but warmed up. I, I would classify him as seeming to be in a different category than, than some of those other guys who were listed as out right before the game. The Amin Vanover, Daquan Hardy, he Kaziah uh, Izzard, he did he did not fall into that not dressed right category. He was dressed, he warmed up, he just didn't play. Uh, and so to see him out there on Wednesday afternoon, probably a good sign uh, for, for what might happen this weekend. It's just a question of, you know, if if he's going through something, if he's dealing with uh, an injury of any capacity, do you push it, right? Like, mm-hmm. if that's the situation, do you push it at all uh, for, for Delaware? Um, James Franklin said last night that Omari practiced and he play, he practiced well, so you never know, but, you know, you'll find out. Right. So yeah. th- that was one from the receivers. And then the other one was, was just Liam Clifford ho- holding down that slot spot uh, in, mm-hmm. at the front of the line. Right. Does, does that mean a guarantee? No, def- definitely not. But after starting his first game as a Penn Stater this past weekend, you know, the uh, status quo there. Yeah. Uh, just quick observation for me. I was on both sides. And, and one of the things I picked out is Penn State, the coaching staff and and especially Mike Yersich, who is very demanding and doesn't normally give out a ton of compliments, seemed very happy with his offense and and the, especially the receivers running routes. Um, you saw that here on the on the highlights I was playing on the YouTube channel. The, they were they were pretty crisp. Seemed like I didn't I didn't see many drop balls as well. So everything seemed like the offensive 
passing attack is pretty fluid heading into week two. James Franklin talking after practice as well. Uh, Nate, uh, you wanted to talk about his uh, identity of how the team is practicing. Yeah, I just, I just thought that his comment about that they practice like a team that's good and do not practice like a team. And I, I just want to make sure that I'm like paraphrasing this correctly because he didn't specifically say we don't practice like a team that's elite. It, it's just, hey, can you get the, the inferences that they don't practice like a team that's elite, right? Can, right. can you get them to change collectively? And and I think it's really hard. I, I, I don't think that that's uh, something that, isn't being confronted by every college football program in the country right now, right. Is, is trying to change habits, trying to change the approach to practice from, Hey, being really good, really confident, doing the right things into, Hey, this is the super bowl practice is the super bowl, right? The way, the way that he spoke about cam Miller on Tuesday, the the cornerback, right. As treating every single rep, every single, everything that they do as the the be all end all and and giving it that gravity giving it that seriousness you you want that throughout your roster and and right. i think that what he's saying essentially is they don't have that right now they they, they don't have that up and down the roster they, they they're good that right and so it, it harkens back to that good to great to elite of uh post post ohio state you know so many years ago can they do that can they bring that to practice we'll see but it's something that certainly penn state is working on right now Fitz, i'm not i'm not going to ask you what's the degree they need to move but in terms of a motivational tactic talking about it with the team and then talking about it with us i i, I wouldn't say is it is it about trying to get your mind out of the doldrums of we've done this tackling drill you mentioned like we've done this tackling drill every single day since august um is it more about just refocusing that hey there's a reason we're doing this or is it more about like finding a new level of competition in like the one-on-ones or, or how do you read his, his comments there? It, it's going through the motions with a purpose. And I know that's counterintuitive to what, to what you're saying, but like you do, we see the same drills every week. We see them, you know, tackling each other into bags. We see them, you know, going to, to block the punt and things like that. And that stuff gets repetitive. They do that every day for a reason, but, you got to do that with the um, the aspect of this is what's going to get you across the line. And this is what's going to make that one play that's going to change the Ohio State game, that's going to change the Michigan game. And sometimes that doesn't happen. When, you, when you're playing Delaware on Saturday, like th- that's, I don't want to say it's tough to get up for because every football game is, is is a treasure for these guys, no doubt. But it is different than than getting up. And you have that one and oh mentality. And they've done a phenomenal job cultivating that that culture of the one and oh mentality but the fact of the matter remains sometimes it's different. So you've got to get yourself over that hump. Um, it was interesting. The number of times that we had James, this camp season, when he said they had a great practice an excellent practice, that that was a bit out of the norm for him. Like to talk about how well that they have practiced on a, from a competitive nature, from a play to play, from a down to down standpoint. And I think that that's what they've tried to get across to be at that level where they want to be in a championship mentality. You have to do that every practice. This is something that we've talked about with Dante Cephas. Like Dante Cephas was better than the guys in the Mac. He was, you know, he was a really, really good Mac receiver. Um, You know, he was, he was better than the guys that he went in week in, week out. But to be at that level on the power five field, especially at Penn State, which is a top 10 program, you have to do that every single day. Malik McLean got a, got a, got a peek at that when he was at Florida State. 
Dante Zivas did not get a peek at that when he was at Kent State. Like this is this is these are the differences that we're talking about when you're talking about the difference, or these are the differences that we're talking about when you talk about um, preparation, when you talk about focus, when you talk about just staying up and consistency. That word has come up more than it's sort of lost its meaning. It's come up so much here in camp. Yeah, consistent as, aspect of it. So when you see Malik McLean come out on Saturday night against West Virginia and look like he belongs on that field and you see Cephas look like that moment was was big, like that that moment that he had the opportunity to catch the touchdown pass, drew through it 95 miles an hour through his hands, but still, he, he went through his hands. Um, those are the differences that you see with with the consistency and the expectation of you being up throughout the entire practice process. And some guys are practice players. Some guys are, um, you know, these gamers that we talk about. I remember looking back 10 years, Zach Zwinak was, was not good in practice. He was not a good practice player. He came out on the field and he just tore dudes up. That, that, that is a special case. Not everybody has that ability to up their game and to turn it up when the dial requires you to turn it up to athletes that are on par with you as an athlete so i think that is that is what you're trying to get across to the entire roster and it's a culture thing it is it is taking one and oh to the next level and i think they can do that because they have the talent to do that but it's just about uh, getting that across and i don't think that's a that's a week a, a one week thing that they can they can accomplish here so it's putting the expectations out it's it's getting those twos and threes those reps and taking those reps and making them full speed reps and making them um, valuable, as valuable as reps at the end of a West Virginia game or even in the end of a Delaware game. So I think that that's what he's trying to get across is, is this can be a championship level team. You have to develop those championship level habits. And until you get there and see what those championship level habits are from guys that have been at that championship level or can be at that championship level, that gives you the opportunity to sort of, uh, I guess build as a team and you're a top 10 team right now, but if you build as a team to a top five team, that's a whole nother level. And that's a level that Penn state has been trying to get at for, for years. Nate, go ahead. Yeah. That, sorry. There, there's just a, uh, I snapped a picture of it yesterday. <laughs> no, no, I loved it so much that I, I, I thought that this was representative though. There is a decal on the side of the lash building that may have been there last year, but I don't think it was. No. Right. I mean, no. that's a that's a recent addition it, with yeah. with with the big one and oh. Right. And sandwich above and below it is every rep, every play, every practice, every day. Right. And so that's I mean, it sounds super corny when I say it, but I think that that's the message that they're trying to get across is it's not the, the one and oh thing that frustrates every fan. And I get it that you've instilled and has taken hold within players and staff for games. Mm -hmm. now, now you're trying to take it to the next step, right? You're trying, you're trying to get that mentality to be okay. Like win this practice. Yeah. Right. And, and nobody thinks of winning a practice as, as being a thing. It doesn't seem like it's that, but you're competing not only against the other guys on your team, you're, you're competing against yourself and, yeah. and whether or not they can achieve that is, is something that I think you, you're trying you're trying to instill as a, a, a mentality that really takes hold and fair or not I, I don't think it's I don't think it's there like I think that's what James Franklin is saying is is not there yet within this program. Yeah, I mean, you guys have both said it. I'm just gonna say it a third time to nutshell it a little bit here. Of like, you're not competing against the other teams. You're competing against the best version of yourself to become the player that you want to be, and that happens not 
on game day that happens in every little moment during practice and making sure you're locked in and getting better. The the other cliche of 1% better every day, you you only do that if you focus on the things that will make you better instead of taking reps off. Or like, for example, yesterday it was super hot and humid and guys were moving a little slower. Guys were moving a little bit more um, with less purpose. And I heard James Franklin being, a, as we were leaving, James Franklin was a little bit more sharp about, hey, <laughs> why are we walking? Every single moment matters in your improvement. So that's, it, it's it's hard to focus for that long. I mean, if you think about it in reality, Penn State football season, it to be great and to get where you want to go, it is four months of intense focus every single day with a few moments to break it up and, and a few moments to take a, take a mental break. But it is straight through and and it is an intense grind. That's why they, you know, that's why they call it a grind. Uh, maybe you want to go to the game. Maybe you have got your tickets. But do you have a place to stay yet? And that is my question for you and the question that alumlodge.com can answer. And I'm going to share this for you on the screen because I love looking at houses. And these are some very nice places that you could stay if you are coming to Penn State um, and you're going to a Penn State football game. So at alumlodge.com, imagine an Airbnb, but specifically tailored for Penn State football fans. That's what you got here with alumlodge.com, and they have what they call a concierge service, which means they are going to ask you, hey, what kind of food do you like? What do you like uh, coffee-wise? What do you want in the house when you get there? I think that's super cool because it's tailoring everything to your needs. AlumLodge.com is a delivered, customized service that meets unique needs of each guest's stay, so they'll return time and time again. They prepare, shop, and arrange the home specifically for your stay. And this uh, Park Forest House, by the way, Check this place out. If you want to stay someplace nice for the game, this is the place where people here in State College live in a house like that. So you're not staying in somebody's basement or the half of a house or sharing a room. You've got an entire house ready to go for you. Now, I believe I was looking at the site before. This one's booked up for this coming weekend. But there's, uh, there's, there's a couple important games in October. So if you want to stay alumlodge.com go right now make your plans book this for october or november for those important home dates where you want to be nice and cozy when the weather is garbage and you can enjoy this house after before a penn state football game so alumlodge.com oh and i always forget this part and this is the best part by the way use promo code bwi to receive 10 percent off your first booking uh, so code BWI for 10% off your first booking. Okay. We've talked about getting better 1-0 each day, not worrying whether it's Delaware, Ohio State, or uh, Scranton Prep. Now we got to talk about Delaware coming up this weekend. Guys, uh, we put in our picks yesterday. Break down this game as much as we, we can. Fitz, have you, have you looked at Delaware? I haven't looked at Delaware yet, so I, I can't ask any informed questions just at this point. But uh, what's your feeling and what's your what's your temperature of this game coming up this weekend? Well, conveniently, there's a uh, Delaware cut-up on YouTube from last week, and that was actually really nice. I enjoyed that. It was about 20 minutes long, so it was Ooh. able to keep my attention. Delaware's going to throw the ball a lot. Delaware's going to throw the ball very quickly. Um, I think that they would like to get on the perimeter. Penn State's speed as a defense is going to be a problem for Delaware. Um, but at the same time, they're going to try and avoid problems with the pass rush by getting the ball out quickly, getting the ball out on those wide receiver screens, 
trying to get a block, trying to make something happen is what you do when you're outmanned. It's, it's certainly, um, you know, not uh, out of the ordinary for, for a program to come in. By the way, Delaware um, FCS programs have 63 scholarships, not necessarily full scholarships, but like you can do 63 equivalent scholarships, though they will be outmanned pretty greatly on Saturday. Um, they've got some players, absolutely, uh, especially on the perimeter uh, with those wide receivers. Um, but uh, Penn State's got quite an advantage here. Um, Penn State should have the advantage up front. Somebody asked about blitzing. I think Penn State should be able to get home with four if there is a situation where they can get home. I don't know if this is a game where Penn State's going to have 10 sacks because I don't know that they're going to have an opportunity to keep him in the pot or to, to have a pocket long enough to get to the quarterback for yeah. to put up big numbers. So when you're talking about expectations for the weekend, that's going to play into it. Um, you know, Penn State's front is is, is better, um, as you would expect. Um, so that I think that's what you get into it. Uh, I will say just watching some of Delaware when they're forced to drop back and try to go down the field. That's when turnovers happen. They threw a couple of picks last week. One was a tip. Uh, one was a ball that was just uh, the guy, the quarterback tried to do too much. Um, I've got the, uh, the stats right here. Ryan O'Connor last week, 24 of 38, 346 yards and a touchdown. He threw the ball a lot. And he's going to throw the ball a lot this weekend. They did have some success running the ball uh, with Marcus Yarns, 11 carries, 107 yards and two touchdowns. But those receivers are really where they're, you know, if, if there's going to be an element that gives you a problem, it's going to be those receivers. Uh, Kim Wimberly had five catches, 81 yards. Chandler Harvin, five catches, 100 yards. Um, Jordan Townsend is, I think, the guy that they went to very early last week. I think he had three catches in the first five minutes and he finished with three catches. Um, and then uh, some familiar names. If you followed very closely, Joshua Youngblood was at Kansas state and then he went to Rutgers. Now he's at, uh, at uh, Delaware. He is a special team, more of a special teams threat. I believe he big 10 or big 12 special teams player of the week, a couple of years ago, maybe player of the year. He, he, he had success at Kansas state. Then he went to Rutgers really didn't do much. And now he's at Delaware. And then Jojo Bermudez, which is a name. If you follow Penn state recruiting, you're kind of familiar with, cause he was a Rutgers commit at one point came up, and worked out. Remember when Penn State had those um, those individual? They had the ability to do the individual workouts. He came up yeah. and did one of those individual individual tryouts. Uh, Penn State didn't offer, but he brings some speed from South Jersey. So if you're looking at the team as a whole, um, the 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 passing game is where they're going to have to get it done if they get anything going. But Penn State should have the opportunity to um, impose its will on defense, as you would expect from a top ten team versus an FCS program. If you've got any questions for the BWI mailbag, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but we're going to be getting to that coming up in just a little bit after we get through these predictions and our conversation about the game specifically. So drop those in the chat right now, and we'll get to those at the end of the show. And I shouldn't even say the end of the show, just the next segment, and you're going to be taking us into the end of the show with your questions and your insights. We've got a couple from the from the message board uh, today, but we, we want to know what you have to say in the chat. So drop your questions in. If you want to drop a super chat, we'll absolutely make sure we get to that question uh, but we'll be talking to you in the chat as well nate um value of this game in terms of getting your work in and it always this always sucks because you don't want to insult anybody but as fits laid out there they don't even have the same number of scholarships so like yeah. these games are intentionally done so that penn state has a preseason like situation what what are you looking for in terms of progress and value from what you'll see from Penn state this upcoming weekend. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. I, well, no, I listen, I, I don't think I, the number one thing, obviously you got to win and then two, you got to stay healthy. Right. So anybody who's on the fence or whatever, like you just, you want to come out of a game like this, not losing anybody. You can't, 
you can't have that type of a situation. So those are the top two things that I see. Uh, you know, it's stuff that James Franklin said on Tuesday, right? Um, creating turnovers defensively, having your second string, whether that's offense or defense, perform as though they're starters, right? Like with that mentality, playing that way, maximizing every rep that they have. One thing that I didn't think got quite enough attention, get quite enough attention, I should say, on Tuesday was talking about uh, a couple, right, how, how efficient the running game was. I mean, he wasn't talking down mm-hmm. on on Singleton or Catron Allen, but uh, that they missed a few shots. Like they missed a c- yep. couple of chances that had they hit really would have dramatically changed what that stat line looked like for both of those guys at the end of the game. Can I just give you the quick detail of one of the ones that stood out to me was Nick Singleton. They they checked to a run, which is going to uh, the the backside of the formation, basically into the boundary. And this is one that you saw last year. A lot of teams, especially Kansas State, take advantage of on that West Virginia team where they have maybe a corner or a safety over top as the last line of defense. And and the, the blocking wasn't perfect, but Nick Singleton... Uh, breaks a tackle, stumbles, doesn't keep his feet, and then is taken down by that player. If he keeps his feet, there's an opportunity, not for 14 yards the long of the game, but for yep. a touchdown. And there were a couple times they had what they were trying to do, from what I could tell, was run into that look of run into the boundary. Both he and Katron had a couple of opportunities, and they just need to keep their feet, break a tackle, and you know there's very little defense compared to the rest of the field. So those are the little moments, just as an example of what you're saying of what they're trying to do with breaking those big runs. Uh, is the value there if they do it this week, or do you say, ah, Delaware? No, I, th- I think there's any time that you can do that. Anytime you can hit a home run that there's that's in the memory bank, right? Like yeah. that, that is a, that is a builder of confidence of not that any of these guys lack it. I, I don't think that they do, but Right, like Keandre Lambert Smith having a 72 yard touchdown to open scoring against West Virginia. I'm not sure it really matters who the opponent is there in terms of wanting him as a program to get off to a great start. That is, that is a soup. Like it does truly does not matter how that play transpired. You want him, right? Everybody calls him big play Dre. You want him to feel like that. You want him to be that guy. So, yeah, if, if Nick Singleton and Catron Allen have those opportunities this weekend against Delaware, I don't care who it is. If they can break one off and feel good about themselves and, and get some confidence rolling, James Franklin, again, he talked about that on, on Tuesday. As, as com- he was talking about it in respect to Keandre Lambert-Smith, but confidence being a real thing, that's, that's big for everybody. Whether you think you're a great team or not, there are pieces all over the field for Penn State that will feel better about themselves, especially coming off of right a, a, a pretty good game against West Virginia, but not a perfect game, a game that they probably felt like they left some things out there, that they left some opportunities for turnovers out there, right? Get, get that stuff. Get Okay, what you didn't do last week, do it this week. Then you feel pretty good going into an Illinois game where, like, guess what? Big Ten, <laughs> this... This doesn't seem like that critical of a moment, but Big Ten play is Big Ten play. And yeah. so that that changes the level fairly dramatically from week two to week three. So yeah, I, th- I think it's a I think it's a game where Penn State can maximize those opportunities and should feel a certain level of urgency to do so. 
Well, let's talk about maximizing those opportunities based on some of the, the score predictions I'm seeing. Fitz, any last thoughts on the game preview, what you're looking for, and how they get to the score that you're going to give us now? No, I mean, I think it's um, a Franklinism when he says there's value in that. And this game, there's certainly value in that. Do your do your things, make it work. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's not a situation. There, there's a balance, right? There's a balance between going out and just running base packages over and over again. And then there's, you know, doing what Penn State did against West Virginia on the final drive last week, which is like extend that a little bit and uh, and and do what you can and, and give what the defense gives you. I mean, these a lot of these guys, I mean, Franklin's coached at a lower level. You're such coach at Shippensburg. You know, you, these guys have coached at smaller schools where they've been undermanned. And so they understand what the Delaware staff is going through. And, you know, I'm sure the Delaware staff calls them up. They'll be more than happy to, to host them, to, to talk to them, do all that stuff that that they went through as younger coaches. So there's an element of respect there for for this coaching staff that's that's on the other side this weekend. But at the same time, you got to get your guys work and you've got to do the little things that you wouldn't be able to do. For instance, when you go on the road to Illinois next week, you might have to excuse me, scramble through some offensive line combinations. We talked about the bumps and bruises, bruises, the illnesses or whatever that they're working through. So how does that make you scramble? And how do your guys respond to that in the moment? It doesn't really matter from that aspect who is across or what jersey is across the field from you. You have to figure out those situations and learn how to turn those situations, thrive in those situations. And I think that's what this game is really going to be about. It's going to be about um, – situational football, situational uh, substitutions, changing personnel, working with different personnel groupings, working with three receivers more than the 12 personnel that you want to lean on, bringing that third receiver along, you know, just those little subplots uh, that help you build up to the main course, which of course is the big games in the big Ten. So that's where I go with that. Again, Penn State's going to overmatch them. Like that's it. I don't think this is a a trade secret here. Delaware's offensive line. I think what are they nineteenth in the FCS right now? Um, Delaware's offensive line is going to to have their hands full. Um, you know, there's some really good. Co- Ola Adams was coaching against Penn State a couple years ago with Villanova. They did a really good job against yep. Penn State, shutting them down, knowing what was coming. Those are the little things that you have to iron out. I mean, I think that that was actually the game that that Forrest Ryan, the linebacker, was calling out the plays. You know that those are the things that you have to take care of because if you're doing it against an FCS team, hopefully a Big Ten team would catch on as well. So those are the things that you got to iron out. But I just think you know the firepower is going to be too much. You get a lot of guys in the game. You you keep some of those guys that are uh, not quite on the shelf but near the shelf. You keep them uh, protected. You keep them out of harm's way, and you get yourself on to Illinois. Um, are we, do we have a graphic for predictions or are we just supposed to get into predictions here? Just get into them. I don't have one made up for today. Sorry about <laughs> that's that. Cool. I had to look up my prediction. That's where, that's where I'm at with this, but I had, <laughs> okay. I have Penn State 55 <laughs> to 10. I went back and forth on this because of the, the, the clock rules and things like, and you know, are you going to run fewer plays? I think Penn State's going to have uh, a touchdown or two that doesn't come from the offense. So I think that that's going to contribute to it. Um, so I was I was like back and forth between the 40s thinking these games are an hour shorter like baseball. And it's not that's not necessarily the case, but there's still something to account for. And then Oklahoma scores 73 points against Arkansas State last week. So it can be done. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go with 55 to 10. Uh, I'm not sure uh, when Delaware gets on the board. Um, excited to see them play. They, they played pretty well against Stony Brook last week and they, they've got, you know, FCS has talent. There are guys there that, that can play at a higher level. Um, I don't know if we've we've scoped out any of on the on the Delaware roster right now, but uh, that's uh, it's always good to go against a team that's not running your own playbook and not running something or not expecting something that you have already put in front of them. Uh, now that you said that, we're absolutely going to have a graphic for next week because that's a great idea. 
Nate, it's an idea. One- <laughs> I, it is an idea. I'll give you that. Uh, I'm always for adding more than just our faces on the show. That's why we have the BWI mailbag uh, stuff that we do because it spices things up a little bit. Nate, speaking of spicing things up a little bit, once again, oh, yeah. lowest point total of all of the experts at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. I'm sitting up there in the third quarter of the West Virginia game, and Nate's right there, and he's like, hey, guess what? They're on pace for 28. And I'm like, I hate you so very much. And then they score that last touchdown. So not only did it cover, not yep. only did it uh, hit the over, but it also got closer to my point total than Nate's point total, which everybody can appreciate. <laughs> yeah, but so it was Nate- it was faulty. It was fool's gold, and I'm and I'm sticking with that. It's, no cover uh, when you bet a cover. Not that I bet. I, not that I, I bet on football, but no cover yeah. is fool's gold. A cover is a cover. That's that is totally fair. I just think that the the tenor of the game was closer to my score prediction even if I ended up being 15 points off of the final total, I, I'll stick with it. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same thing. My same thinking is just, look, there's more to iron out. And you saw that, right? Like you saw last week that this is not an offense that is firing, nor should it be right. I, I, I'm just trying to set expectations correctly. I, in, in my mind of how efficient, um, you know, you saw a couple of stalled drives. Yeah, there were some points lost on field goals that were missed, but it it just it it it's not quite as simple as big plays happening all the time. Is there a better chance for them this weekend? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I've got forty-two to seven. I think that the defense will be better. We'll probably give up some late points. Um, I, I don't see, uh, you know, necessarily field goal opportunities this time for for Penn State in the first place, right? I, I think they'll either finish drives or punt. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty straightforward. I just I I just think that there's going to be a ramping up, a build up to where this team and where this offense is capable of putting up those types of of gaudy numbers that that include finishing in the scoreboard, right? Like yeah. just point totals. So yeah, Nate, you, you make a good point, although Penn State did get into the red zone twice and came up with zero points, and they were six inches to the left of Drew Aller hitting a perfect pass to Keandre Lambert-Smith in the back of the end zone to get a touchdown there instead of settling for a missed field goal. So it is, it, it's it's just a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, we'll see how this week goes. I'll give my point total tomorrow on the Friday show because we got to get to your questions, your thoughts, your comments in the mailbag. Quick one here from Ryan, uh, and then we're going to get to another comment from him in the in the earlier part of the show. He says, I ordered that 1-0 shirt the other day for his eighth grade son. So Ryan jumping on the Penn State 1-0 mentality bandwagon. We talked about that earlier uh, with practice. Uh, he does ask here, let's be honest, this should be weak to get guys healthy. We should be able to win easily, even with second teamers at different spots. Timmy comes in and says... The time Drew and the offense is on the field is valuable. You can't eliminate a live game and you can't emulate a live game in practice. So every second this week is still a learning experience. Where are you guys falling on either side of this spectrum that I love developed here, one after the other in the chat? Um, is it experience or health? 
Uh, Nate, I'm going to come to you quickly for this one. First of all, those are not questions. All right. So I created a question out of (laughs) a comment because I spin gold is what I do, Nate. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I I, I think it's both. And I I think it's okay. It's okay to be both. Right. It's it's okay to to want to maximize the opportunities that you have while also protecting the health of your starters. I, I, I do think that just given the history, given what we've seen from James Franklin, we've had time to get to know him, to get to know his style as a head coach. I think you're going to see more of Drew Aller than, than maybe people anticipate, right? Like that, that is, there are valuable opportunities out there. You're, you're not playing as though you're feeling like designed runs for Drew Aller. No, maybe not. Maybe, maybe you don't see that in this game, yeah. but Get, getting him reps, getting him time to to gel and and build up that uh, that cohesion with his receivers. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely going to be a, a, a big chunk of that. And unless the game is at actually, even when it's in the past, right? You could you can point to 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 games where the game has already been out of hand by halftime, and they'll still throw the first team offense out there for the first possession in the second half, just because they want to keep, they want that continuity. They want that experience. So I, I, I do think that they're, you're, you're going to see plenty of, uh, of the first teamers on Saturday. Yeah. And speaking of just a quick aside, I did not expect the quarterback zone at the goal line. Like it's Josh <laughs> Allen out there. That was a shock to me uh, for a guy who supposedly is not the, uh, the, the, the most fleet of foot athletic guy they've ever had still, using that big body to get down the goal line fits. Um, I'm going to ask the same question to you, but I want you to fold in this as well from Eric. And I love this question. Please settle a bet. How do you pronounce Drew's last name? It is still all over the map. That's funny. Cause uh, James does not say it right. Um, that's what I, I thought. I have the <laughs> game notes open. It it's Aller. It's Aller. Al, Al. Like, the name, like, like from step by step and then Lur. Yeah. Um, and that's that's basically it. I'm trying to copy and paste the actual pronunciation of it, but what uh, step by step? I, I mean, the reference is just, I, think well, I love it. Um, and uh, no, I think that 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 that's Franklin gets it wrong. Frank Franklin pronounces a lot of names wrong, and he, yeah. he just gets in, like this is the football coach mentality. You you hear it once or twice, and then you it gets stuck up here, and then it's tough to change. Like there's guys like Olu. Like we're all over the map. I believe it's fashionu. Like, and we, yeah. we just go with Fashanu. You know, that's that's kind of how that that works. So, um, there's some other guys. There's some other guys on there uh, on the roster. But the initial, the the official pronunciation guide has Aller. So we'll go with that. I hope that's yeah. settled with that. When he started calling him Venga, I was like, okay, so there's there's James Franklin getting a, a different name She's pronunciation. Right yeah. Right. So that's it, that was a red herring. I was like, oh no, it's Vega. And then I heard, no, there's there's a reason. It's Venga. And I was like, well, you're never gonna get them all. Um, so let's get on to one of our questions from the message board. Uh, and by the way, subscribe to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com so you can get one of your questions here with one of my fancy graphics where you got RD24. He says, are we taking Drew Aller over or under 400 passing yards? So Nate is definitely negative, and he's gonna go under. Uh, so mm-hmm. Fitz, I want to come to you and say over or under with those 55 points, are we getting explosive plays from the passing game, running game? How do you see this playing out with Drew Aller on this one? I hope it's under because that means he's out of the game. Like I, 400 yards is a lot. And I understand that the, the potential is there for big plays. Um, but 
it's kind of uh, a situation where you want to see Bo Prabula in the game. Maybe you want to see Jackson Smolik in the game. I think it's a situation where if things are clicking um, and you get up big lead at halftime, you get Bo in there to take some snaps with that first team offensive line, maybe for a drive, maybe two drives, and then move on to, to some of your backups there. But yeah, you want to, I, I think you want to get him um, some yards. You want to get him some touchdowns and then you want to get him out of Dodge, keep him healthy. Like I know that that's not uh, necessarily like the Heisman answer here, but like that's, I think that's the situation that, that, that is most likely. And, and you've got to get those points. Like you, you want your offense clicking. Like I know it's Delaware. You want your offense to put up big plays to score, you know, every time they have the ball. And I think that's going to be a funny thing with, expectations because everybody expects them to score every time they have the ball any team any fan base any anything like that and when it doesn't happen it's a disaster but this week you're, you're closer to that than, than sort of you should be on the rest of the schedule so i'll go with uh i'll go with under because you get him out of the game you get to see bow you get to have bow run the offense which has been the point of consternation this week at all the focuses on the west virginia late touchdown but like you want your guys to run your offense because you're going to need them at some point and you want smolik to run the offense because you're going to need them at some point you want those young receivers getting in there and you want the young offensive linemen if you're going to play them to keep try and keep them under four games but if you're going to play them get them get their feet wet this week and, and get them as much experience as possible and as we saw against villanova a couple of years ago you know you got to keep after it you got to you know put up those points to 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 get your guys off the field as, as soon as possible. I think that's the ultimate goal. A quick follow-up here, Fitz. This is something I should have asked you on Monday when you were talking about and made the great point. James Franklin doesn't put guys in the game unless the game is fully put away, but Bo Perbula comes in um, in a closer margin than normal. Two score nine game. Minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is that a signal of a different level of trust with Bo? Uh, and, and not to say like the quarterback competition was super close, but that both guys thoroughly past the bar of these this could be our starter if he needed to be i think that was just a comfort level in where penn state stood in relative in regards to west virginia like he hates to do that i will say that and then he then all of a sudden he spins it on its head and two scores up he goes ahead and puts the backup quarterback in but like that game never felt out of reach and i think he's done that in the past and i think that's that's the mindset is you know it's it's like uh the six four game you know you're not scared of you weren't scared of Penn state's offense, you know? The, so, I mean, that's kind of how things play out, at least in my mind. Like, I think, I think Penn state felt they were comfortably ahead of West Virginia and it would have taken quite a bit to, uh, to turn the tide on that. Now you get a turnover, your first team defense goes back in and you see what happens uh, against that first team defense. So that's kind of, that's, that's the only kind of sticking point I have with that. But I think that that's more, more about the situation than again about Bo Perbula. And of course he wanted to play him as well. Gotcha. Uh, Nate, I'm going to come to you with this question because you are our James Franklin whisperer. Uh, yeah. What do you make of James going out of his way to praise Catron Allen during the last few media sessions? He started his press conference on Tuesday uh, singling out Catron Allen and Malik McLean and then was asked about why yesterday. So can you take us through this and, and the, the subtle nuances behind this conversation? Yeah, I'm. I I don't know that I can be subtle. This is this is more bull in a china shop. But perfect. You don't want guys to transfer, right? Like the it, the dynamic is different, right? And I'm not saying in any capacity that Katron Allen is at risk of transferring right now, right? That's what I heard. Nor is Bo Prabula, right? None of that is a thing for right now. But you want these guys to feel appreciated. You want them to feel publicly appreciated the way that they're appreciated within the program. So 
while it was not people talk, you know, even about last year, right? It was this constant question of when to get Drew into the game, right? You knew what you had with Clifford, right? Et cetera, et cetera. That dynamic is different this year because, okay, Drew last year, you knew he wasn't going to transfer ahead of being your starter this year, right? He, he has this opportunity in front of him. It's different with Bo Perbula, right? Where maybe your standard, maybe the things do shift a little bit. I'm not saying that it's like a wild transformation, but if you want to keep Bo Perbula, and I think very clearly, adamantly with emphasis, Penn State would love to keep Bo Perbula for five years, right? Like that is that is the goal here. So you got to keep these guys involved. You got to keep them. You want to make them feel invested. You want to make them feel appreciated. You want to make them feel as though they are a huge part of the program because internally they are, but externally that's not always how it, it shakes out in terms of perceptions. So yes, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody, right? I, I think the world of Nick Singleton, I think he is a superstar. I think Katron Allen is like a, a hair below that, but that doesn't diminish what he is, right? Like the quality yeah. of tailback you have. You want to have both of these guys for the next two years. And so that that is, it is always a, a state where James Franklin brought it up when asked about the tight ends, right? And so the tight ends offered him, the, tight, the question about the tight ends offered him a better opportunity to talk about some of these things, which is, hey, it was not an accident that he brought up parents, right? Yeah. That the media, that the media has a thing that they say, and then he gets questions from parents about how, the usage of their son. Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah, I right? think like that's a, that's a constant feedback. Yeah. Which I think is also what tied into, if you watch and you can go back and watch James Franklin's full comments yesterday, he bristled at the idea that somebody said we didn't run the ball as much as we threw the ball, which right. is to say like, we didn't, we didn't emphasize our star running backs, which is, you know, to his uh, part of this whole thing that he doesn't want to be a part of the narrative of Penn State football. And, and just because it wasn't, again, there wasn't, there was a 70 yard touchdown there, uh, in the passing game. There wasn't a, there wasn't a 70 yard run. So then everyone yep. looks at the box score and they make determinations based on that. But it, it, it was in a sense, Katron Allen got 10 carries. Nick's Nick got 13, but Katron right. got 10. And like the, the difference is there. You know, I, I, I find that to be curious um, in terms of just like all the things we're talking about here. Want to get to the next question because we got a, a bunch in the, that we got to get to from the message board as well. Lambda asks an interesting question. How much of Cephas' struggles are due to catching the ball from Aller as opposed to a Kent State quarterback? I'm not sure I'm buying that one, but I want you guys to have uh, y your thoughts on this. Fitz? I'm just sitting here enjoying the the chat turning on Nate. It's great. Um, oh no! No, I, I mean he's he's had all August to get used to that ball. Um, so yep. it, it is different, I'm sure. But that's not. I'm not buying that one. Yeah, I would I would agree with that one. Um, <laughs> poor Nate. Nate. I, th I think it's fancy. a. I think it's a little bit premature to call Cephas struggles. Right? Like he had. Yeah, he had two, two opportunities to catch a pass and he caught one. He didn't catch the other one and that stinks for him, but he'll he'll be fine. Like he's going to be okay. This question from PSU Ram last year, Michigan played a slate of patsies before the game against Penn State seemingly allowed them to not reveal much in those opening games. Uh, is Penn State able to do the same thing this year with the games leading into Ohio State or is Illinois and Iowa too tough of a task to do that? Uh, Fitz, what do you think? 
two separate questions because Michigan did that last year and then didn't show much more against Penn State. They just overpowered them with what they do and what they do so well. So I don't think it was a situation where they, where Penn State was caught off guard by what Michigan was going to do. They just got steamrolled. Um, the second thing, um, no, I, I think going to Illinois next week on the road, I mean, every game, like every game you got to be up for, as we talked about earlier in the, in the segment, every practice, whatever. So I don't think you can hold too much back. Um, I don't, I think that you can have an evolution of your offense by the time you get to Ohio state, where maybe there's some things that are different. Maybe you lean on some guys heavier. We talked about the, uh, the difference in pass versus run versus tight end selection versus receiver, you know, all the, all these different things. Um, so you make yourself more dangerous by maximizing every element that you have on, on the offense, not so much just like pulling out new plays and you can do that. And, but if you do that, it's, it's more of a trick play type thing. It's a Penn state's not going to come out with a new, um, you know, they're not going to come out in a different spread. They're not going to come out in a single wing, you know, they're not going to come out yeah. in a different offense, but you can, you can add elements to it. And then you just maximize your position, the position groups you have at your availability. And that's how you, that's how you beat defenses. It's not about yeah. showing them something, showing them a ton that you've, you haven't sent. You can, you can pull out new wrinkles and I'm sure Penn state will do that. But the sense of holding so much back to only hold for Ohio state, I, I don't fully get on board with that. So I think that's kind of where I'm at with, uh, with that. I think there, there will be wrinkles here and there, but I don't think it's going to be a situation where they come out and try and catch them off guard. Ohio state has coached against that, that coaching staff at Ohio state has coached against this coaching staff at Penn state many times. So you got to be on, you know, you got to be on your toes both ways. Uh, Nate, this one for you, because it's a special teams question, although both of you guys are special teams experts. PSU Lion 84 asks, other than the one in uh, X number chance of running back for a score, why do kickoff receivers not take a knee to give their team the ball at the 25? Guaranteed 25% yardage towards a touchdown, probably 50% towards a field goal, giving you that good baseline of you're not starting from a position. And just to add on to this, you're not starting from a position where you have a percentage chance less of scoring a touchdown. If you if you start within the 20, I think uh, it's like you have a 66% chance of not scoring on that play. So, uh, uh, Nate, what do you think of the decision, kind of the, the big picture view of kick returns in college football at this point? Yeah, I think it's I think it's tricky. Look, I don't have the stats offhand, but my perception is they do take a fair catch most of the time. I mean, I, I would I would think that that's a pretty a pretty safe thing for me to say that that more often than not, they are taking that. But also at the same time, look, you got your best playmaker potentially on the team back there returning kicks like he's not back there just to catch it. Like He's back there to make something happen. So I, I I do think that it's it is somewhat to their discretion. It's about you know how Singleton's feeling in in terms of what he's seeing from his blocking and and once he has the ball in his hands. But yeah, I I don't think it's um I, I think more often than not it, it's pretty clear that they are instructed to and do fair catch that. Uh, Fitz, I want to ask you this question non-starters getting in the game, which position will gain the most value by playing non-starters this weekend, heading into Illinois and Iowa that from Saunders state. I think wide receiver and linebacker are my two um, wide receiver. There's a lot of guys that aren't in that mix that we're talking about. So you, you get an opportunity to not only play that, that, that tier below the top two. And by the way, it just, it continues to be funny because we ask about the third receiver every week 
And it's the same answer every week. And it's those two, and then it's everybody else. Malik McLean did great. I thought Liam Clifford did great as well. But you've got Caden Saunders in there. You've got Malik Mega, who caught the only ball thrown to him, which was good. Um, and then you've got those young guys with Anthony Ivey and 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 uh, Christian Driver, some of those other young guys that have, have – uh, been on the travel squad. So this is an opportunity for them to get out there, get some confidence. Maybe this is something that turns that uh, turns that on its head and, and puts them in the right direction to maybe push it that group ahead of them. So I think receiver, I think is an obvious answer here. Linebackers interesting because I know, I know people don't want to see Elsden on the field. They don't want to see Elsden and DeLuca together on the field after, after week one, but those guys are important. Um, cogs in this defensive depth machine um like this is going to be an opportunity for them to to regain some confidence and then tony rojas um at the at the other outside linebacker position um at, he left his shoes on the turf the other night and that touchdown um so that's a learning experience for him in his first game get those guys out there get them playing fast and and, and get some confidence there so i think that's kind of where i'm looking and and for a team like um Delaware that's going to spread you out and try and get you to the perimeter and those linebackers. It's going to be a learning experience for them to, to play down the line and, and break down and, and improve that tackling. So it's a, those, those are my two positions. I'm sure that if I could, I'm sure I can make an argument for every, every position quarterback obviously is a, is a big one there, but those are the two that really jump out to me when I read that question. Uh, I will, I'll clean up the last little bit that we have here. I want to go back to Nathan, your, your point about kickoff returns and Nick Singleton. Last year, according to PFF that tracks all of the data on uh, special teams, uh, he averaged 25 yards a kick return. So he's getting back to where he would be at the line of scrimmage, except that he also got a touchdown off of that. So they get a touchdown in the Rutgers game, and they have that starting field position. This week, obviously, only one kick return in the books. He averaged 20 yards a kick return. So that's not what you're looking for. But at the same time, um, that is, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a bonus touchdown from a guy like Nick Singleton. If you don't have a guy back there like him, maybe you are fair catching more. You're doing more of the conservative route. Last question here is from HOH. M-A-W-1978. Got a, a chance to see Dave at the tailgate this past weekend. Great to meet him. Uh, BWI message board member for a very long time. He said, given Delaware is more of a passing team, will we see more blitzing this week? Fitz, I think we covered this of expect quick passing. So maybe blitzing isn't the best idea to throw bodies at the line of scrimmage where you're not going to really have an impact because the ball gets out so quickly. Is that is that fair? I agree with that. Yeah, and I think that you're going to see a lot of those linebackers playing a little bit wider. Um, Penn State played their Sam on the slot the last weekend without Daquan Hardy there, moved Johnny Dixon into the nickel. So I think we can probably see a little bit more of that as well. Um, so I, I don't think that blitzing, especially when you can overmatch this, uh, this or you should be able to overmatch this offensive line with your defensive line, I don't think that blitzing will be a big part of Manny Diaz's uh, approach this weekend. Maybe with the guys I mentioned, Rojas, DeLuca, you know, some of those younger guys, um, give them an opportunity to go through the motions of what they need to do when you call a blitz. So maybe, maybe, and it goes, is kind of runs counterintuitive to not running up the score, but maybe we see more blitzing later on in the game to get those guys an idea of what it's like to, to, to try and make those plays. Uh, Nate, any final thoughts here? Uh, that's all the questions that I've uh, selected for the show. Anything you want to get us out of here on? Yes, you got to get Sanders Sahadak back out there. That's a great to. point. You got, you, you, you got to get him back out there. I, I don't. Franklin talked about how well he handled it in practice. He got up in front of the team. That was all good stuff. You got to give him another rep. You got to. Are you, are you saying not just for extra points, but for field goals? Like you're fine settling for a field goal instead of going Never. for it on fourth down because you want to give him that opportunity. 
I'm, I'm just saying, if there's an opportunity to put a kicker out there, you got to put him out there. You have to get him back out there. You got to let him uh, wipe and wash away that that feeling from that last game. Because if it lingers for four weeks before he's in a critical moment and they need a 50-yarder, like that's that would not be good for his mentality, I don't think. I believe the tailgate lots open up at 8 a.m. on Saturday for a noon kick. It's a compressed tailgating afternoon, but that does not mean that we are providing you less stuff. 9 a.m., myself and Aeneas Hawkins are going to be out in front of the Bryce Jordan Center with a cup of coffee and our thoughts about Penn State and Delaware coming up. We were watching film the other day. We cleaned up some things with the Penn State defense. I'm excited to share those conversations with you starting at 9 a.m. on Saturday. The Penn State Tailgate Show in conjunction with Seven Mountains Media coming to you then as well. But we got one more live show coming up tomorrow. Five things. I'll be giving you five things I'm looking for for Penn State when they're on the football field. Guys, thank you so much for the show today. Excellent analysis as always. We will be back tomorrow with the final BWI Live. Check us out. We'll talk to you then.